welcome back or maybe welcome to the first time to the keeping her keys podcast this podcast is dedicated to healing by exploring the meaning of being a witch being connected to the goddesses specifically hecate and abiding in the crossroads of modern life and the deeper world. For me, the trio of Hecate, Persephone, and Demeter really symbolizes my journey through my life. I started as Persephone, became Demeter, and in some sense, play the role of Hecate in different ways now. All three of these goddesses are alive and working on us and through us in so many ways. This is the beginning of a series of episodes on Hecate, Demeter, and Persephone. I hope you enjoy them. I'm launching this episode on November the 16th, which is a modern day um, where Hecate is venerated. It's called... Hecate's Night. Sometimes you'll see it called Night of Hecate of the Underworld. I'm often asked a couple of questions about this day. One is, what do I do? And two is, what are the origins? So number one, because of the state of the world right now, I'm really recommending, it's an exercise, it's a meditation, it's a ritual, it's called the agape phoboros. Agape means like pure essential love. Phoboros uh, is fear, and this connects to epithets of Hecate, and uh, reciting epithets of Hecate is a wonderful way to connect with her spirit. But ultimately, you know, if you observe this night, do what feels right to you. The second question about the origins, I will say this, this is an entirely modern creation. Now that's not to say that you shouldn't observe November 16th. If it feels right for you, do it. In doing my research on the origins of November 16th, I, I've developed a few theories about what, why this became this contemporary um, night of honoring Hecate. And as far as I can recall, this dates back to the early 2000s. Number one would be the Scorpio new moon. There is something special about the Scorpio new moon for connecting to Hecate. I've seen this in all of my years. Um, I think Scorpio was about the mysteries, the depths, and so on, and it really aligns um, to these aspects of Hecate very, very well. Uh, another possible origin point, and this is pure speculation because it wasn't documented why this night was chosen from what I've done in my research, and I know other people have tried to research this as well, um, that the Eleusinian Mysteries of which, of course, Hecate, Demeter, and Persephone, you know, they were the three uh, key figures. Hecate as a mediator, Demeter as the great kind of all-mother, Persephone as the returning daughter. 
the series that you're about to start will take you through that journey in different ways. So the first, so the Eleusinian Mysteries, as you'll hear in these recordings, had two parts. One was done in autumn, one was done in the spring. Perhaps in setting November 16th, they had consulted the Hellenic calendar and drew a date that was associated with the start of these mysteries without knowing the actual year that this was the November 16th was first celebrated. It's impossible because of course the Greeks used a lunar calendar. So the dates changed every year, you know, they moved around because of the 28 day lunar cycle. I believe I've also heard that there was a minor festival associated with Diana that was held during what could now be November uh, and that that's a possible origin point. And, you know, which is to say there's, there's potential inspiration points from history about this night, but I want to be clear that uh, in the ancient world, when Hecate was venerated, it was not a calendar date it was a lunar event and that was the night that the dark the moon was dark you know which we now call the new moon so you know it's funny we live in this modern world where everything has to have a calendar date and i find time so slippery you know chronological time so slippery i'm a lunar creature and you know to me it makes eternal sense because Hecate is a lunar goddess and specifically associated with the dark moon, that that's the most special night of the, the month. Um, whatever works for you, it's what works for you. I want to say the same about November 30th, which is a contemporary night of Hecate at the crossroads. Again, it's the same thing. There is no ancient historical origins. If you want to venerate it, go for it. In Covina, we're watching... Um, a short film just to give a little nod to the date, but not take away from the lunar cycle, which I do believe personally is, you know, those are the, that's how I honor Hecate is according to the lunar cycle, not the chronological calendar. I, I honor Hecate according to the, the laws of nature, not the laws of man. So, you know, it's up to you. I'm teaching a class today and we'll, we'll do something a little special, but anyway, that's all to say, I hope, however, you are faring in these troubled times, you are connecting to Hecate and finding ways to align to what is deeper, more true, more powerful than any foolishness that's going on or any really troubling events that are going on or whatever you're trying to deal with, that there is a solace that can be found um, by simply lighting your candle and speaking her name, however you say it. I say Hecate, some people say Akate, some people say Hecate. The first time I ever heard it spoken, it was Hecate. Um, we're not in ancient Greece or ancient Rome and they had dialects and accents then just like we do now. So, you know, 
Say it how it feels right on your heart. And just allow her to comfort you and steady you and give you that solid sense that you can prevail through turning towards your own truth. Let's dive in to the series on this fabulous trio, Chthonic goddesses, Hecate, Demeter, and Persephone. Hello and welcome to this discussion where I'll be talking about Persephone, Hecate, and Demeter. Now it's very important how I structured the order of their names. In the story of Persephone that most of us are familiar with, that is based on the Homeric hymn to Demeter, Hecate is the divine mediator. She's the go-between, the negotiator, the guide, and so on. She has an important place between Persephone and Demeter, and she is important in the stories that are told about them, in that she is in this place of mediator in a modern term. During the season of release, we are focusing on the three of them regarding three specific aspects of them. Chthonia is their underworld aspects. Lampadios is them as the torchbearers, the illuminators. And Forba explores how they are connected to catharsis and releasing uh, miasma is what they called it in the ancient world, but releasing toxins is what we would call it today. Today, what I'm talking about is the chthonic aspects and giving a little bit of an orientation to how we're going to be journeying with them throughout the season of release. So let's light our candle. And if you don't have one, just connect with the energy that I freely offer. This trio of goddesses has remained part of our consciousness for at least 3,000 years. If we look at the old earlier versions of the story that scholars believe influenced the Homeric hymn to Demeter, which itself was written about 2,500 years ago, but that's when it was written down. It is believed, and I fully concur, that this story is much, much, much older. So let's start to connect to these goddesses who have found their way throughout the Christian era, 
who have resurfaced, uh, especially since the Romantic era, so about 150 years ago or so, found their way in art, in statuary, in stories, starting with Clara Young, found their way into psychology. They abide and they abide with us. We are them and they are our guides, guardians, and gatekeepers. And they certainly hold the keys to the mysteries within and the greater mysteries of the meaning of life, the nature of the cosmos, and what is the soul. There's so much to them. So let's begin with our simple ritual of cleansing the space. And then let's bring our energy together and connecting with the three of them, the goddesses of the cave. And let's begin to explore them. To understand Demeter, Hecate, and Persephone, or Persephone, Hecate, and Demeter, again, pay attention to the order I put the three of them in because it's going to give you a reference point for how I'm discussing them. To understand them personally and then to connect to their history, is one of the most healing endeavors or journeys, if you like, that we can embark upon. To see ourselves reflected in each of them, in their similarities and their differences. The two major sources of historical knowledge about them, I've already referred to one, which is the Homeric hymn to Demeter. The other major source of knowledge comes from the rituals at a place called Eleusis in modern day Greece. And the featured background to help us connect to their energy is the entrance uh, to the cave at Eleusis. And our invocation today really is the entire Homeric hymn to Demeter. Um, if you haven't read it, there are many different translations out there. I'm going to be referencing a couple of them. Um, I really recommend if you have the capacity to read the different translations and find the richness in each one. Um, it's just such a beautiful story. But no one, either of the deathless gods or of the mortal men heard her voice nor yet the olive trees bearing rich fruit. Only tender-hearted Hecate, bright coiffed, the daughter of Perseus, heard the girl from her cave. And this is from what is probably the most uh, commonly known translation of the Homeric hymn and was done uh, by a scholar, a male scholar, during the late Victorian period 
in England. And when we are becoming scholars ourselves of this story, looking at the dates of the translations is very important because the cultural zeitgeist, the cultural values and mores of the time influence the language chosen when the translator takes the ancient Greek text or Latin sometimes and puts it into English. So during the Victorian time, of course, the emphasis, the, the values were on, it was a very chaste period. Sexuality was very repressed. There was an emphasis on marriage, home, traditional roles, and so on. So we're going to see that seeping into the translation. But it is a beautiful translation. The language is gorgeous and lush. So that is that translation that, um, like I said, is probably the most common one. And even today, over 100 years later, is the one that is still most widely referenced in terms of uh, what, I've, what I've encountered in doing my studies. My entire book, Entering Hecate's Cave, is devoted to Hecate, Persephone, and Demeter. And indeed, I start the book with a, a, the, the quote that I just read as invocation, but I do it from a modern translation that I really, really highly recommend. So open up your copy, go right to that first page, and you'll see that, and then you'll see that modern translation um, and that'll give you another source for connecting to this story. This is a little verse from the Triformis chapter. Uh, they certainly are goddesses of transformation, both in the stories and, of course, in the rituals at Eleusis and how they come to us. Hecate, guide and protector, wise woman speaking truth to power, protecting the vulnerable. Persephone began as the nameless girl became benevolent queen who turned the seasons and guide of souls. Demeter knew the pain, tried to protect daughter, raged until balance was restored together, the whole trinity, the above, the below, and the in-between. So in that same chapter, there is a, a lengthy section describing the story of Persephone, Demeter, and Hecate, and both in the Homeric hymn and at Eleusis. So let's just glimpse at what I had to say. The goddess, goddesses Hecate, Persephone, and Demeter were entwined throughout myths and practices in the ancient world in a glorious web of mystery. Hecate emerges from her cave to console the maiden Persephone, thereby demonstrating the healing powers of the darkness. All three goddesses are certainly at work within us and through us. We can be Persephone, thrust into misery. We can be Demeter, raging against unfairness. Or we can be Hecate, acting as mediator for others in distress and also ourselves. In Persephone's mythology, Hecate comes to her when no one else will. And she also gives advice to Demeter in her sadness. There is some evidence that all three were venerated in the same temples, and some scholars believe that Hecate played a central role in the mystery cult at Eleusis. Most important, all three offer healing for the soul. They come to show us how to pre 
persevere and go deeper into healing. They teach us that wholeness is found in their mysteries. In fact, we can integrate the lessons of their myths into our own healing journey. As mediator, Hecate helps to negotiate the terms of Persephone's time in the underworld and takes on the responsibility for being her guardian. She continues this role as Persephone's guide back and forth from her subterranean life to the solar world, thus turning the seasons. This journey to and from the underworld represents our own journey into Hecate's cave, for Persephone found her wholeness only through facing her own fears, accepting her circumstances, and eventually becoming the benevolent queen of the depths. In fact, our journey is that of Persephone. We set out as, as the bone-weary traveler who has suffered greatly, seeking the respite of the cave, all the while knowing that the path forward will be rocky at times. Our Demeter, focused solely on the outer world, rests while we explore our interior landscape to be reunited when we emerge from the cave born anew. Their, he their soul healing is embodied in this reunion into wholeness. A psychological analysis of the Hecate-Persephone-Demeter triad reveals that each is contained within us. As different aspects of the sacred feminine, Hecate is the soul, the mediator between the psyche, or the more surface mind, Persephone, and the persona, what we show to the world, is Demeter. Demeter had an interior life, and Persephone certainly had an external one. So there's that balance. Um, Hecate walks between the worlds, as does our own soul, guiding us along the way. Moreover, in the Homeric hymn to Demeter, Persephone is depicted as Kore, the maiden, while Demeter is described as Mater, the mother. Hecate is the embodiment of wisdom, can be seen as the crone. As symbols, it's important to note, though, that at the time when this story would have been told, uh, way back when, that Hecate would not have been seen as an old woman by them then, because to them, the gods were relatively ages, ageless, they kind of went from being children to being adults, but they never really grew old like humans do. <laughs> um, as symbols of the natural cycle of the world, Kore, young Persephone, is potential. Demeter is the vibrancy of the green world and the mature Persephone, which means destruction, which we'll be discussing more uh, during Babor Horba, is death. Hecate is the force that binds them. When we look more closely at these three goddesses, we discover that they all achieved radical self-acceptance. Demeter relinquished being a mother. Persephone let go of her innocence. Hecate stepped away when her role as mediator had ended. Thus, the journey of the cave is one of self-acceptance, radical self-acceptance. For as long as we reject what we know to be true in the center of our being, there is no wholeness. Now, I'm focusing on Chthonia uh, this month, since that's the month that we're diving into. So Chthonia, usually pronounced Chthonia, but also Thonia, uh, is one of Hecate's most ancient titles. Now, I have a lot of thoughts about what I wrote in the book on this section. So 
Oh, excuse me, we're going to dive in deep. So you may want to grab your pen to make some notes or however you record thoughts. Deities are considered chthonic if they abide in the underworld, as opposed to Uranic deities who reside on high. To the ancients, that would have been Olympus. Hecate and Persephone are chthonic queens, while Demeter is an Uranic goddess. So here's what I want to really focus on. Um, I made a, a couple of points in that little paragraph that I, I want us to circle around for a bit. It's complicated considering Hecate a Chthonic goddess, even from the ancients. She had Chthonic aspects. She, in the myths, she lives in the cave. She's involved in Eleusis. Those are rituals of the cave. However, we also know from other sources, such as Hesiod's Theogony, that the ancients believed that Hecate um, had dominion over all three worlds, land, sea, and sky. So she wasn't chiefly Chthonic, although in this story and in the rituals at Eleusis, she is Chthonic. I hope that I hope you're staying with me so that. It's complicated just to say that she was purely a dark goddess or an underworld goddess when we look at how the ancients would have understood her. And then it gets even more complicated because by certain groups, she was considered very erratic or celestial in being the world soul. And there is, um, I have a pod episode out and also in Hecate's Crossroads, there's a, a an episode I did on Proclus that talks more about her as a Rannoch. Uh, Persephone was certainly both, even though she was queen of the underworld, that was only for part of the year. And the rest of the time, she would have been an Olympian or dwelling on hot. So it's very complicated. Um, within Chthonia, we are focusing on the descent, right, of going into the earth and how they guide us like into that earthiness. Um, I, I uh, don't confuse Chthonic deities with modern, the modern definition of earth goddesses. They're very, they, very two different images, right? So earth goddesses today, the way we might say that would be like, don't fool with mother nature. Um, so that's the goddess kind of what they, in the ancient world in the Greek, uh, for the Greeks, they would have sometimes called Gaia. That's very different. All three can be considered those type of goddesses, um, you know, connected to fertility, fecundity, and so on. But there weren't just that. So it's an important distinction. Chthonic means of the earth. It doesn't mean of the surface. It doesn't refer to, you know, the natural world that we can see. It's what is, it is the dam below. It is as we go into the season of the cave, the season of release and autumn, it is that descent energy where we, after summer, we have been in the surface world, even within our lives. Now we are choosing to go down their steps into the, their realness. Like, you know, what is the earth? It's where roots are. It's where animals go in the winter. It's where caves are. It's the depths of the ocean. You know, that is chthonic. And to the ancients, that was also the underworld. And another 
idea to consider is that for the ancients, humans always returned to the underworld. And that was the soul's home base. You know, that's where we went when we died. That's where we emerged from to be reborn. That only Uranic or celestial deities like the Olympians, like Zeus and Hera and that aspect of Demeter and even Persephone had that aspect and Hecate could also go there, um, would be, you know, the celestial Mount Olympus, if you've seen, you know, those images. So, but humans belong to the underworld. We spent our time on the surface and then down below we went. So when we are saying a, a, a goddess or a god is chthonic, we are saying that they are very much involved in humanity, in our mortal lives and existence. So it's a really important point about the chthonic. Demeter's chthonic aspects are really fascinating to me and why caves were so important. So if we consider that it is believed that the Homeric hymn to Demeter is actually a much, much older story than even that you know, the first recording of it in that hymn, then agriculture at that time was very, very different than what it was to become in the following centuries. And specifically, Harvest grain used to be stored in caves and underground. That the coolness, the dark, and so on was a was like ancient refrigeration, basically. And you know, I grew up with a grandmother who had a root cellar. Um, even now, I have this fondness for cheese that is aged in caves. So it still lingers this idea of the benefits of food being stored in caves and underground and that it's a very safe place. And, and so to them, this was where the richness was. This is like Hades, you know, Hades richness is that all bounty is stored in Hades, you know, the underworld king Hades realm and that Demeter, Persephone and Hecate are associated with all of this richness that is only found by descending. And that is such a powerful metaphor for how we can turn inward to that richness within us. If we're only just looking at what's on the surface of our lives, it can seem like we don't have much but when we start to connect to what is deeper within us and that descent into our own strength, our own imagination, our own creativity, our own resourcefulness, that's where the healing is, right? That's where the good stuff is. And it's interesting to track how this change in agriculture. So agriculture went from being something that was deeply connected to the Catholic. Um, I should also mention here you know, this idea that that when this story was told around those ancient fires, that they, they had a strong appreciation of 
roots and seeds and how the earth underneath of it was what made them all grow. There were no crops without the rich soil. And if you've ever seen modern agriculture where crops are failing and they're doing all of these things to kind of make the crops return, you know, it's because in some instances, the soil, because of our, like how we live our lives and we're so harmful to this planet in general, that the soil has been depleted of its natural resources. And I'm going to save a deep dive on this for Babor Horba, but here's where compost becomes so important. And again, kind of time traveling back to them, they didn't go to the superstore to pick up their vegetables or even a farmer's market. Uh, you know, they had markets, but their connection to the importance of Chthonia, of the soil, of the caves, of what is underground. It was part of their everyday lives. It was life and death. If the soil wasn't fertile, if the things weren't stored properly in the cave during the, the fallow season, they could die. Um, and that's something that in the modern world, like we just can't connect to it because we live in a world of convenience. We live in a world where agriculture is far removed from most of us. And, you know, just thinking about the difference between like Hecate's garden and the natural world and that, and then going into Chthonia and saying, okay, so this is the descent. This is where I honor the soil, that I honor the roots. I honor the seeds, I honor and again, I'm going to say this for before, before, but I honor that the natural waste of life is necessary for regeneration. Like this is it. And where is that in our own lives as we descend into this richness that is, you know, sometimes very dark and not you know, it's not like a pristine marble temple somewhere, right? This is about getting messy. And again, that's more for Bavor Forba. But Chthonia starts us, we get our feet dirty, right? We get our feet dirty. And if you've ever done like mud bathing or um, kind of dug a hole and then stood in the hole, um, even like, you know, when you're a kid and you get covered, you dig a hole at the beach and you get covered in sand and that's like the that's the energy of chthonia right that's the, the very tip of it but you know it's like that idea um certainly burying our dead is interesting because we're even though largely in western culture the idea of heaven is very much like we become gods right like we go up to olympus we call it heaven today we go up we don't descend into the underworld. However, we bury our dead in the ground. So there's that, I would say it's a disconnect, right? But there's still that element of, even though we may see that, oh, we're going to go up to heaven, there is still that acknowledgement that we have to be returned to Chthonia by burial.
as many different ways we could dispose of the dead, but we put them in the ground. So Cassonia is still with us in her ways. Margie has reimagined the beautiful triple goddess she did for um, the summer with Circe and Medea to now transforming them into Demeter and Persephone. So this is a way you, you can connect with them and see how Hecate abides and her companions change. Interesting, right? And there is our spirit card for the goddesses of the cave. What I'm going to do with the Book of Shadows for the three months of release is put up some prompts with three blanks and then the designed spirit card and give you some key questions just to kind of frame your explore explorations. So great goddesses of relief, what messages? We're focusing on boundaries as we go into Chthonia. Um, so what messages are they giving you about boundaries? And this is where I highly recommend working with that great goddess's oracle reading and emphasizing this trinity within the reading. So the reading contains three trinities. It's the Hecate, Medea, Persephone, Hecate, Medea, Circe, Hecate, Demeter, Persephone, and then Hecate, Selene, Artemis. We're going to do Hecate, Selene, Artemis during uh, retrieval season, winter. And then we'll return to these three uh, during rebirth season or spring and look at their kind of above ground, how they emerge from the cave aspects uh, through rebirth and so on. And then when we come back to renewal garden season, summer, we'll return to Circe, Medea, and Hecate. So I'm really excited about this new approach and just have fun experiencing how they connect and working with these blanks. If you haven't yet watched Hecate's History, the two-parter, definitely watch that. I talk a lot more about uh, Demeter, Persephone, and Hecate there. And then we have the whole section. It, so this is in Hecate's Crossroads. Then we have the whole section on Hecate's companions in Hecate's Crossroads too. This is a recorded class. And then there are some written note, written lessons that will help you connect to all of them. And next month, uh, I will do another recorded class where we look at the three of them and their torches as we explore the meaning of Lampadios. So I hope you've enjoyed um, considering the Chthonic aspects of Hecate, Demeter, and Persephone. And how you are getting rooted in them and getting rooted in your own descent into your own realness, your own depths, your own what cannot be seen, you know, that psyche, what's inside of you. And of course, this is very lunar. The cave was associated with the lunar. And also, you know, the great mother. So all three can be seen as a great mother and were in different regions of the ancient Mediterranean. 
so we see that this great mother, and in this story, she's kind of divided into this triplicity, right? She's the wise one, she's the mother, she's the maiden. And beyond this kind of gender role parameter, we can see that this functions um, within ourselves as we go on this journey of healing, as we mature. I want to just briefly talk about the first part of the ritual of Eleusis, which is the ritual that we do at the end of release season. We call it the Animarum Catharsis. I've called it in different places, the death walking ritual of release. This is inspired by the first ritual at Eleusis, where there was cleansing that was done, where sacrifices might have killed a pig and so on to transfer the miasma from them. So our whole rituals of the cave cycle is inspired by the rituals at Eleusis. Now, they did this in a relatively short period of time. We stretch it out over several months. So we can go into that deep psycho-spiritual inquiry into ourselves. And we we augment this through natural magic, right? Through our witchcrafting that we do throughout the, the time. Chthonia is the very beginning of this journey. Don't rush. Don't fuss over doing absolutely every little thing. Just connect to the spirit of Chthonia the descent, the earthiness, the cave. Um, and like I said, I highly recommend hanging that great goddess's oracle reading with special attention to the trio that we're focusing on now, really making that the center point of your practice. And even perhaps taking those three cards, and I would do it once for the season. I wouldn't do it a bunch of times. You could... I mean, if you were really skilled at the at reading, it could even be your quotidian. You could do it for each day with the three of them. Um, but if you know, but a kind of more realistic approach might be to you know, do it once per season and then deep dive with them. It really, you know, in terms of readings, it depends on your skill set. And I'll talk more about this. I think we are having a quotidia class coming up and I'll talk more about working with the great goddess oracle in conjunction with release so I hope you are connecting to this energy of Chthonia and hail Persephone hail Hecate and hail Demeter and hail the spirit of Chthonia If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to like it, follow it, give it a rating if you're so inclined. If you feel drawn to go deeper into the experience of Hecate and modern witchcraft, you can purchase my books, uh, join Covina, which is the online coven of Hecate. Check out the website. There's lots there. And hail Hecate.